0: So many deck officers I speak with want to become maritime pilots. It is the pinnacle of the maritime industry. And in San Francisco, the bar pilots there have operated for 170 years. The San Francisco bar pilots have been navigating the world's largest ships in and out of San Francisco and the surrounding waterways. This is some of North America's most difficult waterways. Licensed by the state and federal government, these mariners rely on their navigational experience, their ship handling skills, and local knowledge to transport more than $1.2 billion in goods to and from the Bay Area. If you're interested in becoming a San Francisco bar pilot, you can visit their website. I'll drop it in the show notes. I'm always fascinated about meeting female maritime pilots especially those who were the first in their area to become pilots. Today, you're going to hear from a trailblazer who became a pilot in her career and then went on to accomplish even more amazingly and now works for San Francisco Bar Pilots. This is the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is a 501c3 nonprofit organization supporting a diverse workforce on the water. This episode of the Women Offshore podcast is sponsored by Technip FMC. Technip FMC is a leading technology provider to the traditional and new energies industry, delivering fully integrated products, projects, and services. At Technip FMC, they create an inclusive culture where all employees can draw on their unique experiences and backgrounds together to ignite diversity of thought that sparks solutions for all employees, customers, clients, and communities. Technique FMC is proud of their commitment to inclusion and diversity, as it is the heart of their core values. Thank you, Technique FMC, for sponsoring this show and for also sponsoring our industry mixer with OGGN honoring International Women's Day. We are thankful for your support here at Women Offshore. New episodes of the Women Offshore podcast are available every Tuesday. Subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on to get the newest episodes and be in the know about topics related to diversity, equity, and inclusion in the maritime industry, and be inspired by female mariners and offshore workers making waves around the world. Special thanks to the Oil & Gas Global Network for being our podcast producer. They have the best energy shows on their network. Captain Ann McIntyre is a graduate of the California Maritime Academy. She is a role model for women in maritime, speaking at various conferences, and has been an active volunteer for sponsored projects and extended learning in the maritime industry. She has demonstrated leadership within the maritime industry throughout her career, including nine years as a commissioner on the Oregon Board of Maritime Pilots. Her pilot career began in 1996 when she was selected by the Oregon Board of Maritime Pilots to become the first woman Columbia River pilot. Captain McIntyre piloted ships on the Columbia and Willamette Rivers for 23 years. Captain McIntyre's current role is as the business director for the San Francisco Bar Pilot. She is responsible for advising and representing the Association in Business, Administrative, Financial, and Regulatory Matters. Recently, she was awarded by her alma mater, California Maritime. They honored her with the Lifetime Achievement Award. The Lifetime Award was presented at the 17th Annual Scholarship and Awards Gala of the California State University Maritime Academy Alumni Association. This award represented the highest honor bestowed by California Maritime. It's an award that recognizes alumni who have made significant contributions to their industries, their chosen profession, and to the academy over the course of their careers. I'm pleased to introduce you to the amazing Captain Ann McIntyre. Welcome, Ann, to the Women Offshore podcast.
1: Thanks, Allie. It's great to be with you here today. I'm coming to you from Pier 9 in San Francisco, California.
0: Awesome. I was just out in California this week, a few days ago, down in LA. It okay, was beautiful, great weather.
1: Yeah, it, it's opening day for baseball today as well, so go Giants.
0: Oh, perfect. Yeah, what a great time of year. So, Thanks for coming on the show. I'm excited to share your career with our audience and get to know you more. I've met you before, but it's been a few years, so it's great to reconnect. And I thought we might start out with a sea story. Do you have a memorable experience from your career you can share with us? That's an interesting
1: question because I'm not a big fan of sea stories. And the reason for that is they're usually about something really, really bad, like When did the ship go aground? Right. Or, you know, it's something that's that's really not true.
0: There's (laughs) that too, right? You got to be careful with a seafarer who really wants to tell you a sea story. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, you know, just in, you know, thinking about sea stories or memorable experiences from my career, the most and best memories that I have from my career are the people that I've met along the way. It's, you know, as particularly as a pilot, I got to meet people from all over the world, you know, from all walks of life. And when I used to go on board the ships, I would bring with me, this is before the days of, you know, social media and tablets and all that kind of stuff. I had a small paperback atlas and I used to give it to all the crew members and they would write their hometown and little notes. And then like over time, it built. And so, you know, somebody that was from the Philippines could look and see who else from the Philippines had been on board a ship with me. And that's one of my best, you know, memories. And really what I learned from that is, you know, people are generally friendly and decent. They care about their friends and their family. And, you know, we're all out there on the ships just trying to do the right thing.
0: Yeah, that connection is so important and helps make the time go by while you're out there too. So. How did you get started in the maritime industry? Can you take us back to the beginning? I can. Yeah, I kind
1: of had an unusual route, I would say, because, you know, at the time that I was coming up and I, you know, just to put things in perspective, had graduated from Cal Maritime in 1988 and I graduated from high school in 1981. And I was attending one of the UC schools and was doing a lot of sailing on the sailing team. And I had a part-time college job cleaning rooms for one of the America's Cup campaigns. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, you know, there were a lot of crew members on those boats that went either to a maritime academy or a naval academy. And that was how I found out about it. I grew up in LA. I spent a lot of time on the water in LA Long Beach. And I never gave a thought to where all those commercial ships came from until I met someone who had that job. And so, you know, I applied to the Maritime Academy and that was kind of that, but I never would have known about it. It was really, really hidden to me.
0: For so many people it is, and they end up finding out later in life, sometimes too late. And then they send their kids there saying, oh, I I wish I had known about this. But I'm glad you found out at still a young age and that you were able to go
1: it's quite funny because I meet a lot of women that are my age or older that like express a lot of regret that they didn't know that opportunity was out there.
0: Yeah, we hear that too. We hear that a lot. So more women need to know. And that's part of why we have this podcast. So you have accomplished so much in your career. You're a huge role model for me and a lot of women in the industry. You recently won an award. Congratulations. A big award from Cal Maritime. What are you most proud of in your career?
1: You know, it's funny. I've been thinking a little bit about that just kind of in the context of getting the award. And, you know, there's a couple things that I'm super proud of. One is the day that I was licensed as a Columbia River pilot. You know, that was a very long and very challenging training program. I was the first woman to complete it. I was also the first person to come to the river, pilots from working offshore. Uh, The traditional path there is working tugboats on the river. So my background was very different. There was a lot of uncertainty whether I was going to be able to do the work. And, you know, the day that I got that license and, you know, was accepted into the group was a really big day for me. It was a really long haul.
0: Yeah, you made it to the pinnacle of the industry. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know, it was interesting. You know, there's been a lot of change over the years. I know that sometimes to people, it doesn't seem that way when you're, you know, just looking at your own career. But, you know, at that time, there were very, very few women pilots. There were maybe three or four in the United States ahead of me and just one in Oregon. And, you know, my presence was legislated, it was the Oregon legislature told the pilot groups in Oregon, you have to diversify. And so I was a product of that. And, you know, I owe a big thanks to two women senators in Oregon, Senator Joan Dukes and Senator Betsy Johnson, who recognized that back at a time when not many people did.
0: They, I guess, created the trail, but then you blazed it, if that makes (laughs) sense. Like they made it so that you could blaze that trail. That's incredible. And yeah. Not having many women go through it before you probably had to seek out some mentorship from men. Did they accept you? What was that like?
1: You know, very much so. I mean, in my career, I've never had a woman mentor. They've all been men. And yeah, I've had great experiences with that. you know, just I'll pivot on that question a little bit. You know, one of the things I'm most proud of in my career are the women that I've mentored. And yeah, two women in particular that I think listeners of your podcast may be familiar with. One is Captain Rebecca Henderson, who yeah. was the second Columbia River pilot, still an active pilot up there. And the other is Captain Amanda Wallace at Shadow.
0: Oh, we love Captain Wallace. She's amazing. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. They're both great. And, you know, it's super humbling to me that they could look at my career and say, you know, I'm going to, you know, follow in your footsteps. And, you know, we spent years, you know, kind of going back and forth, you know, evaluating career paths, and, you know, just talking through different things. And they've both, you know, just really established themselves in their careers. And I'm just so proud of what they've accomplished. You know, I like to think that I helped a little bit. (laughs) with that.
0: Yeah, no, you definitely did. You're a beacon in the industry for women who want to become pilots and I have to take a moment. I can hear seagulls in the background. It's like yeah. how fitting is that? No, that is not our editor. That is real. <laughs> like I don't know if people listening can hear it, but it's great. It adds to the ambiance, I guess, of the podcast. So, yeah, having some strong male role models and mentors, it's important. And I imagine you faced several challenges along the way being a trailblazer. Being this wave maker in the industry, what challenges have you had to overcome and how did you get through them?
1: You know, that's an interesting question because I think there's a unique set of challenges that come with being one of the first. And, you know, you're 100% in the spotlight. So you're over scrutinized, and everybody knows who you are. So there's a lot of attention on you and every little detail gets picked apart. And you know, just an example is, you know, speaking on the VHF radio, right on the river, everybody knew it was me on the radio, because there was only one gal, right? Yeah, there's just that opportunity to be highly scrutinized. But what I'll say the flip side of that is, you also have a lot of opportunity in those kinds of positions. And you know, I had access to be involved in different things that I might not have been involved in if I was just one of the, you know, the regular trainee candidates and, you know, just access. I've got to meet a lot of interesting people because of that uniqueness that I may not have met otherwise. You know, I did have captains, you know, along the way, like question me because of my gender. And, you know, it was interesting because, you know, most of the times they were just curious because it was unique and they hadn't, you know, seen a woman pilot before, And, you know, the way I always approach that, they had questions, you know, do you have a husband? Do you have children? I mean, they were, you know, very kind of, you know, just routine questions that they were curious about. And so I always tried to, you know, answer questions like that, respectfully, and honestly, and then just kind of move on with doing the job. And, you know, it's always kind of served me, you know, well, in that respect was just treating people with respect. And, you know, just it's super important to try to get along, you know, with everybody, even if you don't like, you know, particularly in a closed shipboard environment, or even in a shoreside workplace, and, you know, showing up working hard and being competent, you know, as far as challenges are concerned, like the other thing is just like, don't sweat the small stuff, save it for the, (laughs) save it for when you really need it, you know, then people will be more responsive to you.
0: Yeah, choosing your battles takes time, I think, to figure that out. And understand what that's like to be on board and everyone's asking you about who you are where you're from and as you get more women on board there's less of those questions right and part of being a trailblazer is kind of educating people so I like the approach that you took of yeah I'm going to answer your questions and then I'm going to go do my job and do it really well and get through this voyage to get on the next one so yeah yeah and,
1: you know, it was always met very well. I had very little, you know, challenges like with being accepted on board the ships. And, you know, again, I think it was just from being competent and being friendly and nice. And again, like you put it in a really good way is picking your battles. You know, if you don't have to have a battle, don't have one.
0: I'm glad you navigated that so well and got through it and you went on to accomplish even more. And So I always like to hear from experienced women about their lessons learned. What is something that you had to learn in your career that was a tough lesson?
1: Yeah. So the toughest lesson that I had to learn was about leading from behind. And, you know, it's something that that I've talked about before. If any of your listeners have been to, you know, some of the women in transportation conferences. But when I was a younger in leadership in the pilot organization, I always felt, you know, that, you know, I knew what was best and I'd research these things and this is what we need to do, you know, and then I'd get pushback. And it was because I didn't listen to people as much as I should have. And I was trying to move at a pace that was faster than what my organization was willing to move and it was a big lesson for me and again it's not about being super knowledgeable about a subject it's not about being super well researched about a subject it's learning how to manage people in relationships and groups and that was something really i didn't have any exposure to like in school or you know previously in my career but yeah leading from behind i just i think it's super important
0: yeah, it seems like that takes time to learn for a lot of people. So also being one of the onlys in the workplace, one of the only women really in the industry doing what you're doing, I imagine you also had immense pressure to prove yourself. So wanting to like get things done and do all the research and really move ahead when everyone's maybe not quite ready, I could see having that mindset quite easily.
1: Yeah, well, you know, the other thing about it too I think is that you know, the maritime industry, you know, particularly the waterside is very hierarchical. I'm not sure if that's how you
0: pronounce Yeah, I know word. what you mean. <laughs>
1: there's a lot of hierarchy and there's also just like a very, you know, distinct command structure. So we're not taught early on at least at the time that, you know, I went to school, we weren't taught early on those types of leadership styles. It was like you tell somebody what to do and they do it. And it's very different. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Rather than being, I think it's called a servant leader or where you help your team more than tell them what to do. Yeah. So if you could go back in time and talk to yourself when you were starting out in your career, maybe you were a fresh graduate what advice would you have given yourself?
1: Yeah, I've got a couple things on that that I'd like to touch on and you know the first one is like to seize every career opportunity that you're offered. My first job was with Chevron Shipping. And, you know, I worked on board the ships. But, you know, Chevron is a great company in that they offer a lot of career development opportunities. And so every time a little something came up, I would always take it. And so, you know, even though I was assigned to the fleet, I did assignments in the terminals, I did assignments in their headquarters, I went and worked at, you know, offshore moorings, anything that was put in front of me, I did it. And I was doing that while a lot of you know my contemporaries you know were taking their time off and you know going on vacation and all that kind of stuff. So if there's an opportunity that's put in front of you, you never know where it may lead. And the other thing I would say is that I ended up with a much broader skill set by taking advantage of those kind of opportunities. You know, the other thing too is that you know to Really, you know, if your goal is, you know, career advancement, and that's not everybody's goal, I was always very, very career focused, is that you need to work harder and you need to work smarter than most, you don't have to be the best at everything. But you need to be in the running over a broad, you know, cross sections of skills and experience. And, you know, the last thing, and this was something as a young person I struggled with a little bit, is that you need to just focus on yourself and where you are and what you're doing, as opposed to worrying about what everybody else is doing.
0: Right, yes.
1: It's real easy to get caught up in, oh, so-and-so got promoted, or, you know, so-and-so has this and doesn't have that, or... And that's just detracting, I think, that you really just need to focus on yourself and where you are, you know, where your strengths are, try to improve your weaknesses. And if you stick at it, you'll have success. And, you know, especially as a young person, you know, your first job may not be a good fit. That happens a lot, you know, and so it's a learning experience, you you pick it up and you move on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's all really great advice you seem to be really comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like you'd go out and you'd try new things, even though maybe I've never done it before. It's outside your comfort zone. And just for that exposure, expanding your skill set, and that can be hard for people. But I like that. I like that mindset of I'm going to go out, I'm going to give this a try and be exposed to something new in my career.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's true. It's, you know, all anybody can ever say to you is no, but if you don't ask, you don't get an answer or, you know, you're a de facto no. And, you know, it's funny, I never really thought about that, like in terms of comfort zone. It's just like, you know, somebody thinks you might be able to do it. Why not give it a try?
0: I've seen where people do that. They try new things, they put themselves out there, and it pays off. Just that exposure and that confidence that you gain in yourself of trying new things, it encourages you to take more risks along the way and probably calculated risks. But still, putting yourself out there can feel really risky.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, look what you've done with Women Offshore.
0: Yeah. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> very true. Yeah. Yeah. So I've really enjoyed this conversation. I'm sorry to wrap it up, but is there anything else you would like to share with us, Anne?
1: Yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, congratulations to you and Women Offshore. I think you're doing a lot of good work and it's work that needs to be done. And, you know, I just like kind of would like to leave this on a positive note where you lots of progress is being made for women in the maritime industry. And just when I look back on everything and how it was when I started and how things are now, a young person, you know, starting out may, you know, find themselves discouraged, but I would just like to emphasize there's been so much positive change and I think it's happening exponentially. And, you know, I'm just so proud of where all the women are today.
0: Yeah, me too. I learned some interesting facts. I think it's been a couple of months now. So since 2015, so about seven years, we've seen a global increase in the number of women by 46%. That's huge. So it's really just 3% or about 25,000 global female seafarers. But still, like in seven years, that's a big jump. And in the US, we're seeing about 12% of the maritime industry working as credentialed merchant mariners, whether that's licensed or unlicensed is, is 12%. So definitely changing. And I think that's it's a combination of everyone's efforts. I would agree. Yeah, that's
1: great. That's great news. I just think that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, it is. So thank you, Anne. Thanks for coming on the show. And most importantly, thanks for being the wave maker that we needed. And thanks for everything you do for the maritime industry. Great.
1: Well, thanks. It was a pleasure to be here today.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. What did you think of the show? Leave a rating and review in Apple podcasts. Additionally, if you want to propel Women Offshore forward, please visit womenoffshore.org or womenoffshore.shop.com make a donation or purchase some swag until next time stay safe out there and i'll talk to you soon